I'm just going to ask that you stand until we read the word. But the first thing that I want to say is it's good to be back behind the pulpit on a Wednesday. I've been filling in for pastor on Sunday, as you know, with some of his schooling and some of the guest speaking and evangelistic work that he's been doing. But I so much appreciate Pastor Darrell and the wonderful word that he's been bringing. Brother Sammy and Pastor David even filled in for me. So can we bless them, too? I don't know if Brother Sammy's here, but... They brought a powerful word. I got to sit in last week and listen to Pastor Darrell's, and I pray that that word is still churning in your heart. Amen. So anyway, uh, the title of my message this evening is, Are You a Giver of Good News? It's taken from Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38, and it kind of dovetails off of my last series that I finished Uh, Just a few weeks ago, and it says this, and then we'll pray. It says, Jesus traveled through all the cities and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And wherever he went, he healed the people of every sort of disease and illness. He felt great pity for the crowds because their problems were so great and they didn't know where to go for help. How many of you are thankful there's a place we can go for help? Amen. They were like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is so great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send out more workers for this fields. Jesus also said in Mark 16, 15, Go, therefore, into all the earth and share the good news of the gospel. How many of you are glad that the good news found you? How many of you know, are glad that somewhere in your life the good news didn't wait for you? The good news came to you. Amen. And it set you free and it put a song in your heart. It put a dance in your feet and it put a clap in your hands. That's a little bit about what I want to talk about this evening. Are you a giver of good news? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are in this place. I thank you, Father God, for your anointing and your spirit, which is rich and true and powerful. I thank you, Lord, that you don't ask us to gather in vain, but when you call us together and we come together in the name of Jesus, there you are in the midst of them. So I thank you that you are in our midst this evening. We pray for your anointing, for your power, for your presence, for your peace, for your words, Father God, to speak into our lives. As always, I ask that you would arrest my mind, my heart, my words, that everything I say and do, God, would be under your divine authority this evening. I pray, God, that you would open up the ears of your people. I pray that you would come against the distractions of this week, the cares and the concerns that may be weighing heavy upon their heart, and that they would just release it to you tonight, God so that they might receive everything that you have for them. I just pray blessings upon your people and on this word and all of God's people said, Amen. You can be seated. If you weren't with us during my last series, which was entitled Words from the Cross, over seven weeks period of time, we discovered what Christ did for us on Golgotha's hill. 
We learned all about during those seven weeks about the good news of Jesus and the good news of the cross. And I'm not going to re-preach it simply to remind you that what we learned was the good news that we have found forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And he confirmed that on the cross when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We learned about the good news about our home in heaven. Again, based on Jesus' words when he said, Today you will be with me in paradise, reminding us that we have been promised a home in heaven. We learned about the good news that filled every word that Jesus spoke while he was hanging on Calvary's cross. The good news that we are now part of the family of God. The good news that we are now joint heirs with Jesus Christ. The good news that Jesus paid the price and made the trade and carried our cross, church. The good news that he was rejected so that you and I might be accepted. Amen. The good news that he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities and that the chastisement or the punishment for our peace was placed on his shoulders and not ours. And the good news that by his stripes were healed. I don't know about you, but that's good news. I don't know about you, but I'm glad to know that when I'm sick in my body, that I can uh, that I can find rest and peace in the fact that by his stripes and the work that he accomplished on Calvary's cross, that I might be healed or that I am already healed because of the work of Jesus Christ. We learned about the, the good news, church, that Jesus saved us from our sins. Remember, everything Christ said and everything that Jesus did while he was hanging on an old rugged cross on Golgotha's hill is all part of the good news that I'm referring to this evening. And it's the good news that we have been called and commissioned to share. Amen. This is the good news that is supposed to be going out into the fields that Jesus is talking about. It's the good news that we have been called and commissioned to take into the highways and the byways of life. But according to Jesus in this passage of Scripture, the reality is there aren't enough workers in the fields. According to what Jesus is telling me, there's not enough mouthpieces for the Father There's not enough sowers of the seed. There's not enough laborers for the Lord going out into the fields. The sad reality is unless there are laborers willing to work, unless there are laborers who are willing to go out into the fields or into the harvest fields, unless there is someone who is willing to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then in all reality, everything Jesus did for us on Calvary's cross will be in vain. And it's exactly why Jesus made it part of our prayer life and prayer responsibility. If you look at verse eight, he said, pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest, and ask him in prayer for laborers. You see, the reality is this should be part of our everyday prayer life. We should be calling on God on a regular basis for laborers to go out into the field and to go out into this world and to share the good news and the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
That in our regular daily prayer life, we ask God to save some lost souls, individuals that are dying and going to hell, individuals that are lost in the darkness of this world, and they need someone to shine the light and bring the good news of the gospel into a life that is filled with bad news, church. It should be part of our everyday prayer life. And so one of the first questions the Holy Spirit is asking is, when when is the last time you prayed for laborers? When's the last time when you locked yourself in the prayer closet, you called on God to send someone with the bravery and the courage to step out into a dark and dying world and bring the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And when's the last time you asked God to make you one of those laborers? When's the last time, church, that we made that an important, urgent part of our prayer? God said it should be part, Jesus said it should be part of your prayer life, church. We should be praying regularly for people to share the good news of the gospel to a lost and dying world. And we should be part of that prayer. You see, our prayer shouldn't be, oh God, send so and so out into the harvest. Oh God, I pray that you would raise someone up to walk into the schools. And God, I pray that you would send someone into my neighborhood. And I I pray that you would send someone into my school place. Nothing wrong with that prayer. But that prayer should include us. God, I pray that you would give me the anointing and the courage to go into my neighborhood. Give me the anointing and the courage and the opportunity to speak to somebody in my workplace or maybe even in my family or someone that might come across my path during the day. We need to make ourselves part of that prayer. You see, it's easy to pray for God to send someone else. Oh, God, I pray that you would raise up a Billy Graham to come into my workplace. Well, guess what? You might be that Billy Graham. You might be that Beth Moore. You might be that individual that God is calling to go into the dark place of your world or your neighborhood or wherever it might be. So always include yourself in that prayer. Our prayer should be, here I am, God, send me, not my neighbor. Send me, not my wife. Send me, not my spouse. Send me, not the... Send me. It should be part of our daily prayer. Because listen, how selfish is it for any of us who have tasted of God's goodness... How selfish would it be for any of us who have partaken of the grace of God to not share it with someone else? How selfish is it for us who have been set free from sin and death and the curse of the law to not go set others free with the same good news, church? That's our responsibility and it's what God is calling us to do, to not keep the good news to ourselves, but to go share it with this world. The reality is God is looking for individuals who were willing to share the good news of Jesus Christ and to announce to their world. You see, we all have our separate little worlds. Our little our little worlds are realms of influence and opportunity. Everyone has a different world. We live in the same world, but we all have our own little world that we live in. And what we need to understand is that we have to have the courage to announce to our world that the kingdom of heaven is near. God is looking for someone who cares enough, cares enough to go into the highways and byways. With the good news of Jesus Christ to tell the world or tell others about Jesus Christ, about the cross and about the kingdom, about the good news of the gospel. The good news that I once was lost, but now I'm found. 
I was blind, but now I see. I used to be where you were. I used to be lost. I used to be addicted to the things of this world. But God came into my place of darkness and He shone the light of freedom into my life. He took my sins, which were like scarlet, and He washed them white as snow. And now there is therefore no more condemnation in my life. I don't have to live in guilt and I don't have to live in shame and I don't have to walk with my held head low. And I don't have to be a slave to the flesh or the slave to my feet are a slave to the enemy because Jesus has set me free and he can set you free as well. Amen. That's the good news that I'm talking about that we need to bring into this world, share to this world and tell this world about the good news that he demonstrated his love. He didn't just talk about his love. He demonstrated his love towards us and that while we were sinners, what did he do? He died for us, church. He gave His life for us. He laid down His life for a friend. He took our place. He paid the price. He made the trade. He bore our cross and took our punishment. That's the good news we are to share with this world. And that should be part of our daily prayer life as well. God, send me into this world. And if I don't have the opportunity, then God, send someone else. I I can't reach this person But I pray that you would raise someone up and send someone, God. You see, there are areas that you can't reach. You might have loved ones all across the the country that you can't get to, may not have an opportunity. Those are the times that you pray, God, raise someone up. God, send someone their way. God, I pray that your light would shine into their dark place and into their situation with hope and help and healing, God. Send your Holy Spirit into their life. It should be part of our prayers. Our, our concern for the lost, our concern for the hopeless and the helpless should be even greater than our own. Our prayer shouldn't always be, God help me, God help, God help me. We should always be mindful of others as well. Job, listen, Job in the midst of his tremendous loss, in the midst of losing his family, losing his livestock, lo- losing his livelihood, he lost everything that he had. The Bible tells us that before God restored unto him double-fold, what did he do? He prayed for his friends. And he asked God to come down and be a part of their life and be stronger in their life. And when he did, when he made it about someone else that needed God's touch or needed God's word or needed God's help, God came and flooded his life. You want your life to be flooded You want the good things of God to be multiplied in your life? Begin to pray for other individuals. Begin to pray that God sends laborers into the fields. And you watch how much God blesses you and takes care of you, church. The reality is God is looking for someone to be a giver of good news. He's looking for someone that cares enough, if you use modern terminology, to go into the halls and the malls to tell others about Jesus Christ. To go into the theaters and the bowling alleys. To go into the classrooms or the boardrooms or the break rooms with the courage to sow some eternal seed into the fields of darkness, church, of this world. He's looking for someone with the courage and the desire To talk about the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not to talk about video games or ball games. Not to talk about the latest movie or the latest fashion. Not to talk about earthly things with no eternal value. But about what Jesus did for us on Calvary's cross. 
You see, one of the questions that I would ask you, because the Holy Spirit asked me, we spent seven weeks talking about the good news of Jesus Christ. We spent seven weeks talking all about forgiveness and all, all about God's family and all about paradise and all about the, the burden that He took in our plate. We Seven weeks of, of good news God sowed into our life. And the first question, or one of the questions the Holy Spirit needs to ask is, who have you shared that good news with? He's asking, I invested seven weeks of my word into your life. What have you done with it? Where have you gone with it? Who have you spoken the good news to? Or have you just saturated it unto yourself and it's just sitting there dormant? God is asking, where have you gone and what have you done with what I've sown into your life? And look, he's not just talking about the seven weeks of my study. He's talking about what David preached about and what what Pastor Darrell preached about and what Sammy preached about and whatever else you've heard. What have you done with what I've given you? The Holy Spirit said, because God is looking for laborers that are willing to go and do something with what he has given to them. Amen. Listen, we need to be able to talk about the individual's need for a savior. We need to be willing and, and bold enough to talk about how Jesus suffered and died and innocent as an innocent man for a guilty and a sinful world. About how God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, that whosoever believes in Him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. Listen, you have a whosoever in your life. You have a whosoever in your family. You have a whosoever in your neighborhood. You have a whosoever in your workplace. You have a whosoever that lives down the road. You have a whosoever at the restaurant that you go to. You have a whosoever in the drive-up window that you see every week when you pick up your cup cup of coffee. There is a whosoever in your life that God wants you to speak to and bring the good news so that they might not perish but have everlasting life. Who's the whosoever that you've spoken to? Who's the whosoever that you got a burden for? Who's the whosoever that you had the courage and the boldness to speak the living words of God to? This is what we have to understand, church. We have to be able to share the good news that God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but so that the world through Him might be saved. Oh, Lord, one of the things that disappoints me and discourages me the most is that we spend more time condemning this world... And condemning their behavior and condemning their attitude and condemning their lifestyle when they don't know what goodness is. They haven't met God. They're living in darkness. Why? Because somebody ain't shined the light. Oh, I hope you understand what I'm saying. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but so that the world through Him might be saved. Bring some salvation into the lives of these people. Stop condemning them and start shining the light. Offer them some hope and healing, church. And watch how quickly it changes. The Scripture speaks stricter to His people than He does to this world. It's not our job to condemn the world. It's our job to be a vessel that shines a light in this world. It's our job to bring the good news of Jesus Christ. It's our job to tell them about the Savior, Jesus Christ, that there's a way out of their mess. That there's a way that they can be joint heirs with Jesus Christ like we are. Please don't forget that. 
We spend so much time condemning and not enough time being used to try to reach out and save lost souls. Listen, there's nothing wrong with talking about sports. I'm a major football fan. I love to talk about sports. I love to talk about my favorite teams. I love to talk with my son about fantasy football and figuring out teams. And I want my teams to win, church. There's nothing wrong with talking about current events or the things we watch on the news and the things that take place and surround us in our daily lives. There's nothing wrong with that, church. But there's also nothing more important than the good news of Jesus Christ. There's no more important conversation than you and I could ever have with this world than that of Jesus Christ, that of the cross of Jesus Christ, and the good news of Jesus Christ. You want to talk about sports? That's fine. Find a way to talk about Jesus in the midst of it. Try to bring the Word of God into that conversation. Ask God to give you the opportunity. Ask God to give you the words, church, and He will do it. It's because we don't ask for the opportunity that we're not even looking for the opportunity. If you don't have a desire for the opportunity, if you don't have a heart for that opportunity... If you've never asked God for the opportunity to be a vessel of honor that can shine in a dark place, you're never going to find it. And so what we have to do is we have to pray for that opportunity and then believe that God is going to give us that opportunity. And then we are to make the most of that opportunity. Amen. Because God is looking for laborers to go out into the field and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. The reality is, like I said, it's okay to talk about those things, but there's nothing more important than the good news of Jesus Christ. Because, listen, you know as well as I do that Hollywood can't save a single soul. Hollywood actually has the power to probably send someone to hell. The reality is the NFL, the NBA, the PGA, they don't have the power to set a sinner free. There's only one name by which a woman might be saved or a man might be saved or you and I might be saved, church. And that is through the name of Jesus Christ. And it's through the work of Calvary's cross that we might be saved. He is the only way to the Father, the Bible says. And He is full of mercy and He is full of grace. And this is the good news that we are to bring into a lost and a dying world, church. But how can they hear, the Bible says, Unless someone tell them. Unless someone preach. And listen, he's not talking about this. He's not talking about unless someone stand up behind a podium at South Metro Ministries that, you know, is in front of a big congregation and preach. This is secondary to my first call to be a witness out there. This is secondary to my call to go out and be a shining light in the rest of the world. This, honestly, this is easy compared to the other. This is easy to stand up here and talk to a whole bunch of saints. But it's harder to go out there in the lost and dying. It's harder to go out into the darkness. It's hard to go out into the workplace. Listen, I know I've been there. I've worked in the secular realm before God called me full time into here. I know how hard it is out there. I know what you got to battle with. I know the spirit that operates out there in this world. But that's exactly where God has called us to go first. You don't have to have some big doctorate of theology 
to be a preacher for the kingdom of God. You don't have to go to Bible college to be a witness for Jesus Christ. You just got to be willing, church. Here I am, God, use me. Here I am, God, send me. Here I am, God, cleanse me. Here I am, God, speak to me. Here I am, God, teach me. Here I am, God, use me. That's all God's looking for. And he will give you the words that you need to speak and tell you where you need to go. And he won't send you alone. He will go with you, church. Look at verse 36 from our opening text. It says, Jesus felt great pity for the crowds because their problems were so great and they didn't know where to go for help. Please understand your life, your world, your workplace, your college, your classroom, Your neighborhood, even your family, is filled with individuals whose problems are exceedingly great. Whose problems are more than they can bear. More than most people can even understand or even know about what's going on in their life. How many of you know most people bear more burdens than anybody knows about? I've been at that place in my own life. I don't want to let anybody know about the burden that I'm bearing. I don't want them to think I'm weak. I don't want them to think, oh, I try to be all strong and all that. And a bag of chips on top of it. All of us have problems that are exceedingly great. And this world and your world is filled with individuals whose problems are exceedingly great. And the Bible says, and they don't know where to go for help. They don't know where to go for help. Why do you think it's so important for your light to shine in darkness? Because this world, please understand this, is looking for a beacon. A beacon of hope. A beacon of healing. A beacon that has the power to steer them through the rocks and the channels and the difficulties of life. To get them past the cliffs and the the jagged rocks that have the potential and the possibility to cause them to crash in life. This world is looking for a beacon, church. Because they are looking for a place that they can find help. But Jesus is talking about... The reality is that that there are a host of individuals in your life and my life whose lives are filled with exceedingly great problems and they don't know where to go for help. And the sad reality is far too often we're the reason for that. Far too often we're the reason that they don't know where to go for help. Why? Because we're not shining. Because we're not bright. Because we're not bringing the good news. Because we are not, if you were here on Sunday when I preached, because we're not walking in the way that we should walk. This world is looking for someone that can offer them hope. This world is looking for someone that can lead them and guide them to the difficulties of life, church. It should never be said. This is a sad commentary Jesus had pity on the crowd for their problems were exceedingly great and they didn't know where to go for help. The truth is, there are people in your world and in your social circle and in your realm of influence 
whose lives are overwhelmed with the cares and the worries of this world, but they don't know where to go for help. Therefore, we must go to them, just like Jesus did. Jesus went to them. Jesus came to you. Jesus came to me, church. It's time for us to go into the highways and the byways and share the good news of Jesus Christ. It's up to us to sow the seeds of hope. It's up to us to sow the seeds of help and healing into their broken and bewildered lives. It's exactly why Jesus, in the last words He spoke before ascending to the Father, was, Go, therefore. Go, therefore. You know, when you hear the word therefore, you've got to read back and see what it's there for. Therefore means, go therefore, because this world is filled with people whose problems are exceedingly great and they don't know where to go for help. Therefore, you go to them. Therefore, you go into the workplace. Therefore, you go into the highways and the byways because there there are a people whose problems are exceedingly great and they need help. The question would be then, are we going and are we sharing the good news to a world that needs to hear it, church? Please understand God is looking for laborers. He's looking for someone who cares enough to go because this problem or this world is filled with individuals, like I said, whose problems are great and they need someone to come to them. Jesus felt great pity for the crowds because their problems were so great and they didn't know where to go for help. And the background to this is the priests didn't help them. The Pharisees didn't help them. The Sadducees didn't help them. The religious leaders weren't willing to reach out and help them. And it's why they didn't know where to go for help. So guess what? Jesus came to them. Amen. The good news came to them. The healer came to them. The deliverer came to them. The prince of peace came to them. Emmanuel came to them. The word made flesh came to them, the Bible says, and it dwelt among them, church, because their problems were exceedingly great. And because they didn't know where to go for help. So God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son and sent Him to those whose problems were exceedingly great. Listen, why do you think God sent His only begotten Son? It's because this world, because you and me had problems that were exceedingly great that we could not solve on our own, that we could not overcome on our own, that we could not conquer on our own. The great problem of sin. And we could not handle it on our own. So he sent his only begotten son so that whosoever would believe in him wouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. That's the good news I'm talking about, because you and I were in that place where we did not know where to go for help. We were so lost in darkness, we didn't know who to turn to. So God looked down in His infinite mercy and in His infinite grace and said, I will send you my Son and He will come to you. 
And he sent us Jesus Christ. Amen. He sent us a Redeemer. He sent the propitiation for our sins. He sent the precious Lamb of God that would take away our sins once and for all. God didn't wait for us to come to Him. He came to us in the form of a little innocent child. He came to us as Emmanuel, church God, with us. He came to save the world from their sin. And guess what? You and I were part of that world. He came to us. Listen, I don't know about you, but I'm glad that somewhere in my journey, the good news came to me. Like I said in the beginning of my message, I'm glad the good news made its way into the bad news of my life. Listen, every one of you, unless you're too proud to admit it, Every one of you, including me, were bad news. There's some bad news right there, buddy. We were all bad news. Maybe some of us were badder than others. And man, we were proud of it. I'm the baddest of the bad. We were all bad news. And we all needed the good news to come to us because we were too proud to go to him. So he sent his only begotten son, amen, so that the good news might come to us. That's the good news I'm talking about. Listen, I know that this may be hard for some of us to hear, but one of the the reasons that so many people dislike Jesus is because of you and me and the church. The reason that there's so many people out there in this world that dislike Jesus is because of all of those who say I'm a Christian, but never offer Jesus Christ. You talk a lot about Jesus. You talk all about church and you talk all about, think about it for a second. Talk all about Jesus, but never offer him to anybody. We're selfish with Jesus. We're selfish with the good news. We're selfish with the blessings. Oh, we brag on God about what he's done for us, but we're so selfish that we don't offer him to anybody else. We're hoping that they finally come to church or they come to something so that on their own they can experience Jesus. Well, that's all great. You can invite people. But listen, God called us to go to them. God called us to take the good news to them, to offer the good news to them. It's wonderful to testify about what God's done for you. Please understand what I'm saying. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. But we also have to realize that we are the ones that are to offer Jesus to this lost and dying world. So another, when's the last time you offered Jesus? When's the last time you offered Jesus Christ to somebody? Can I offer you Jesus? In the midst of your... Struggles in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your sickness, in the midst of your divorce, in the midst of the heartache that you're experiencing with your family, in the midst of your loss of your loved one, can I offer you Jesus? Can I offer you hope? Work for me. Can I offer you a solution to your sin, to your struggle? 
Can I offer you some good news in the midst of this bad news that you just received? Can I offer you some? See how easy that is? But yeah, why don't we do it? This is what God is talking about when he said, pray that, that God sends some laborers out into the field that are willing to do what I just told you, to offer Jesus Christ. Yeah, amen. Because we're afraid, so we pray for boldness. We pray for courage. We pray for the Holy Spirit. Listen, I, and I know for me, I used to dread this right here. If you, if you ever, before the Holy Spirit came into my life, I'd literally, I'd, I'd vomit if I had to get up in front of anybody like this. I'd be petrified. I'd break into sweats. All the way back into high school, I just don't put me up in front of anybody. But when the Holy Spirit conquered my fear, and the Holy Spirit came into my life, and I, and I realized that it was not by my might nor by my power, but by the Holy Spirit, says the Lord, by my Spirit, says the Lord, then, woo, all of a sudden you get a boldness, woo, all of a sudden you get a dance, woo, all of a sudden you begin to speak things you never spoke before, and do things you never did before, and go places you never went before. It's why we need to pray again for the Holy Spirit in our life. To lead us into all truth. See where you got me going, whoever said that? We need to conquer fear in our lives. It's because we're not there when they have nowhere else to go for help. We wear t-shirts about Jesus. But we can't show them Jesus. We wear wristbands around our wrist. But we don't act like Jesus while we do. Because far too often we wear a cross around our neck. But we don't wear a cross around our heart. The harvest is full. The harvest is plenty. The harvest is fertile. The reality is every workroom and every boardroom, every locker room, every classroom, Every house, every hallway that you walk down in life, every team, every town, every office, every neighborhood, every place that God allows us to walk is a harvest field waiting for a worker. It's a field that is waiting for the seed of salvation to be cast abroad in its heart. You see, you're here today because somewhere in your life, the love of God was cast abroad in your heart. And I hope you understand what that means. I mean, it doesn't mean he just dropped a little seed. It was cast abroad. See what great love the Father has lavished upon us that we might be called the sons and daughters of God. And that's who we are, the Bible says, because the love of God at some place in our life, because the word of God, because the good news of Jesus Christ at some point in our life was cast abroad in our life. Boy, I hope you're getting that. I needed that somewhere in my life. I needed more than a little. I needed the love of God to be cast abroad into every dark 
area of my life, into every corner, every crevice, every, every thought, every word. I needed it to be cast abroad into every square inch of my life. And because it was, is why I'm standing here today. Because the good news of Jesus Christ was cast abroad in my life. And we need to be willing to do the same exact thing. To cast the good news of Jesus abroad into someone else's life. Every place God takes us is a person in great trouble waiting to hear some good news. Understand, every one of these places that I just talked about is a field that is waiting for someone to come. It's a field that is waiting for someone to come and sow the seed of salvation abroad, just like it was sown into our lives. But the question is, are we the ones that will go? Will we be the answer to our own prayer? The prayer that he asks us to pray in verse 38. As I close, if we have some music, they can come. But I'm going to close with this. Matthew chapter 10. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him. And I want you to listen to this and I'll highlight some certain words. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority. If you have your Bible and you want to underline that, underline that. Gave them authority. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Here are the names of these 12 disciples. First, Simon, also called Peter. Then Andrew, Peter's brother. James, son of Zebedee. John, James's brother, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Don't be distracted by the last because I've got a point to make with him as well. Twelve men were empowered to go. Twelve men that history will never forget. Not just the church. These men are recorded in history, not just in the Bible. Twelve individuals called and empowered to go into the harvest fields and to preach the gospel. Twelve men who were commissioned to go into all of the world and share the good news of Jesus Christ. History recorded them. And God said, write down their names. You want to know why their names are recorded here? Because God said, write them down. There's not a single word in these pages that God didn't order to be written. So every name that you read there, God said, write them down. So the question tonight is, Will your name or our name or my name be recorded among the faithful as well? These were 12 faithful men that God called. And I know you still got that Judas thing running in the back of your mind. But I'm going to make a point. The question tonight is, will our name be recorded among the faithful? Will our name be recorded among those who answered the call? 
Will you go to work for Jesus Christ? Will you be counted among the few? Will you be the answer to the prayer that we were asked to pray in verse 38? As I close, I want us to understand this, that even Judas, even Judas was empowered to share the good news. Think about it. Even Judas was empowered to preach the gospel. Even Judas was empowered to cast out demons. Even Judas was given authority over every unclean spirit that would ever try to stand in the way of him preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. Look at it. Read it. Even Judas was given Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, all 12, and gave them authority, the Bible said, to cast out evil spirits, to heal every kind of disease and illness. Judas just failed to fulfill the call. Judas just failed to go sow the seeds of salvation. He let his selfishness or his greed, maybe his zealousness, anxiousness, whatever it might be, he let it get in the way of answering the call. But he was still given the power and he was still given the authority to go and change the world for Jesus Christ. So listen to me. I don't care who you are today. I don't care what your situation is. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what side of the track you came from. I don't care what your history or your background is, what your failings or your faults are. God has given you authority. He has given you authority over every un amen, over every unclean spirit. He's given you the power and the authority to go therefore into all of the earth and preach the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ. The question is, will I go? Will I go? Will I be the answer to that prayer? What will you do? I asked this in the beginning, and I end with this. What will you do with what God has given you? What will you do with His mercy? What will you do with His grace? What will you do with His forgiveness? What will we do with this great love that was lavished upon us? That we would be called the children of God. What will we do with this good news that was so freely given to us, church? Will we keep it to ourselves or will we go give it away? If you're willing to give it away... If you want to be a better giver of good news tonight, I'm simply asking you to stand to your feet. God, I want to be a better giver of good news. It's that simple. We're only at 20 after. So I'm going to ask for five minutes of your time. And this is what I'm going to ask. The harvest is so great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send out more workers for his fields. I'm going to ask that we take five minutes right here.
to come and pray. Make your way out. Find a place in your seat. We're just asking God to send out some workers. But like I said in the beginning, please don't leave yourself out of the prayer. Don't just send my neighbor, God. Send me.